Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Good morning. We are in our series, Friday Night Lights. I love the, uh, all the coaches, um, the coach from Owasso, the coach from Fort Gibson, the coach from Bixby talked. Um, and it, stri- it striked me just now that the coach from Bixby talks about losing when they're like on a 50-game winning streak. So um, it's like, you don't know. Um, but at the end of that video, um, Seth, our, our creative director here at Foundation Church, he's done, he does a, can we give it up for Seth? He does a fantastic job every week. Um, he's the one that does the videos, the lights, um, all that stuff. He does a fantastic job week in and week out. He's always behind the scenes. Um, but Seth was on the sidelines recording the Bixby Owasso game. Um, and some of you were at the Bixby Owasso game. And he's on the sideline. He's in a place where he's supposed to be doing what he's supposed to be doing, doing a good thing, trying to be at a place where he shouldn't get hit. And he gets completely plowed over. I mean, wiped out. Like, like if you saw it live, there was an audible, oh, that happened in the stadium when Seth got hit. And the camera just goes up. I get texts from different church members that said, Seth just got plowed. And I text, is the camera okay, right? Like, I'm just like, let's, let's talk about priorities here, right? Like, is, how's the camera? Um, but, um, and, and Seth pops back up, man. He handles it. He took it like a champ. Pop, pops right back up. It's like, man, you know, it kind of stung a little bit, but I, I'm good. And he kept recording, didn't, like, call for an ambulance, didn't, like, didn't start yelling medic like he's in Saving Private Ryan, anything like that. It's just like, man, he took it. And, and here's the thing. Seth was at a place where he was doing something good, and he was at a place he shouldn't have gotten hit. But even when he was doing something good and at a safe place where he shouldn't have gotten hit, he got wiped out, right? He got mowed over. He got blindsided, if you want to say it that way, right? Even though he saw it coming right at him, like, surely they'll stop. Surely they'll stop. Surely this is not really happening in real life, right? And and so many times we have that happen when it comes to life. There's a lot of times that we think, well, I'm at a good place. I'm I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm, I'm following the Lord. Man, I'm serving the Lord with all of my heart, all my soul, all of my mind and strength. I, I go to church. I, I, I'm a good influence. I'm involved in the community. And you can be doing good things and bad things still happen. Right? You can be doing and engaging in good things. You can be at a place that you think is safe. And if you're not careful, you get blindsided. And all of a sudden, something hits your life that takes the wind out of you. Something happens in your life, and you're like, how did this happen? How did this occur? And today, I want to talk to you about what do you do when you get mowed over? What do you do when you get blindsided? How, how do you recover? And I want us to understand a simple truth today, something that you and I, we don't hear a lot growing up in church, but it's just simply true, and it's this, expect trials and troubles to be part of life and part of the journey. Expect trials and troubles to be part of life and part of the journey, right before Jesus gets betrayed by Judas in the garden. Right, right before um, he gets taken away and is beaten, he is having a powwow with his disciples. 
And this is where they have the Last Supper, and Jesus kind of does this last teaching, this last moment that he has with all the disciples around, and he just goes through a gamut of things that are coming after them and that are going to happen. This is when he tells Peter that he's going to deny him. And Peter's like, uh-uh. And Jesus like, Peter, I haven't lied yet, right? Like, uh uh-huh, right? And, and Peter's like, uh-uh. And Jesus like, okay, we'll see, right? And he talks about how they're all going to be scattered. And he goes through all these things. And we're going to be kind of in that area of John for this day. We're going to kind of be floating around. That's kind of the context of our scripture today. But in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says this to his best friends. He says this to his disciples. He says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have, everybody say many, many trials and sorrows. You're not going to be exempt from it. In this life you're going to have many trials and sorrows. But he didn't just leave it there. That would be a buzzkill, right? Like, oh, dang, right? Like, well, this kind of is no fun. Um, But take heart. Because I have overcome the world. You're going to, troubles and trials and situations and circumstances are going to happen even when you're doing the right thing, bad things happen. Right? Even when you think you have distance and you have insulated yourself from tragedy or troubles or trials, trials and troubles will find you. There's a big myth that says God will never give you more than you can handle. Can I tell you that's not biblical? It's nowhere, you can't find it anywhere in the Bible. God, there's going to be moments where there's more than you can handle. Here's the simple truth. He will never give you more than he can handle. Right? He will never give you more than he can handle. This is why Jesus is saying, hey, here on earth you're going to have a lot of trials. You're going to have a lot of troubles. You're going to have a lot of sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. There simply is nothing that he can't handle. Um, when my youngest daughter, uh, my youngest daughter's 15, she's sitting on the front row today because she got in trouble, she didn't get in trouble, um, but <coughs> when she was three years old, Chloe looked like this, um, um, and she's probably going to kill me for this picture, but that's okay. Um, she, she looked like this. If you can leave that up for just a little bit on the screen. Um, this was constant, like this was Chloe's constant pose at all times. Um, she, at age three, she just decided to jump at all times. And I don't know what, and when I say jump, I'm not talking jump rope. I'm talking like she would be on this stage and just jump off, right? Like if we were swimming, she would jump and she would just jump right on top of me. And, and the problem was this, she expected me to catch her every time. The bigger problem was half the time I didn't know Chloe was jumping. So we would be in the pool, my back's turned, I'm playing with Charlie, Chloe just jumps on my head, like like kamikaze, boom. You know when your neck burns, like when you get hit, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, and I'm like, why? And I've just got a hold of her leg, her, her like head's underwater, like, right? And I'm like trying to pull her out. I'm like, what, what are you doing? I jumped. You didn't catch me, right? And she starts crying. I'm like, I had no idea you were jumping. Um, the, 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 the one I remember the most, we were at Disney World, and I am like here. Chloe's all the way across the other side of the restaurant, and I see her. She goes into that pose right there. She goes all the way down low, and I'm like, oh, no, here it comes. And she's got, it's like almost a jump, probably a little lower from this to the floor. And she just launches, looks me in the eyes when she launches, like, whoop. And she falls, she hits her tailbone instantly. Disney World is no longer the magical place on earth, right? She starts crying. She starts pointing at me. You didn't catch me. 
And I'm like, how am I supposed to? I'm all the way on the other side of the restaurant. How am I supposed to catch you, right? And here's the simple truth. It's not that I couldn't catch Chloe. She just had unrealistic expectations of a three-year-old, right? And can I tell you, we do the same thing when it comes to following Christ. We have unrealistic expectations of what it's going to be. That we think he's going to catch us and we're never going to experience heartbreak. We're never going to experience pain. We're never going to experience trials. We're never going to experience troubles. But if you really read your Bible, you'll read most of the time we're going to experience trials and troubles because we're followers instead of exempting us because we're followers of it. Right? That's what the Bible actually says. And here's what it says in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. It says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Here's what James is saying. You don't get a hall pass from trials and troubles. You don't get a hall pass from being blindsided when situations come and all of a sudden they knock the breath out of you, right? It's not like Seth could see this happening for like a 10-minute planning period. Like, okay, Seth, on this down at this time, we're going to send a guy that's going to plow right into your camera. No, it happened all of the sudden, and James is saying, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And this is a really encouraging word for those of us today that we're experiencing trials and troubles. That maybe the last year, maybe the last month, maybe the last week, maybe the last decade seems like it's just been full of troubles and trials. Hear me today. This isn't going to tell you that it's going to get better. But James says this, in the midst of all that, consider it pure joy because you have an awesome opportunity to let these troubles and let these trials turn and to develop into something. So here's the challenge today. Don't waste your trials. Here's here's the hard thing. Don't waste your troubles, but let them develop into something that develops in you something that is good. I don't want to just go through something. I don't want to just go through trials and troubles and not gain something from it spiritually, right? And that's what the promise is of the Bible. If you will keep grounded and you will keep just clinging to the Lord, man, there is something that you can gain of it, but the challenge is for us not to waste our trials, our troubles, to not waste our hurt. So how do you not waste it? How do you not just go through it and you're no different than when you come back through it on the other side? This is, this is what I want to talk to us a lot about. The second point is this, is you've got to learn to choose to abide rather than drift. You have to choose to abide rather than drift. I was reading a, a book two weeks ago, and as I was reading, I discovered um, in this book, the author talks about that you can actually drift from, a, 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 there's a current just off of Cabo San Lucas in Mexico that will take you west at 10 inches a minute, which I understand that's not fast, but hear me, that will take you 10 inches a minute close to Hawaii, right? That's pretty remarkable. Like you can get in a floaty. Right, you're little inner tube like you're floating the Illinois River, and it's going to creep you there 10 inches 
a minute. Now, now you're not going to see any palm trees. You're not going to get see any volcanoes. It's actually going to keep you about 100 miles. I think it's south of Hawaii. So it's in that general direction, right? But you can actually get there. And that's slow drifting over a long period of time. And here's why I'm telling you that is that many times the temptation is when we go through hard things, when we face trials, when we face troubles, when we face like, like things that we just don't think are fair, the temptation is to just drift a little bit. And what I can tell you is this, is when you allow yourself to drift, even if it's just 10 inches a minute, even if it's just 10 inches over a little bit of time, even if it's just a little bit, you never drift to where you really want to be. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this. It's one of my favorite Proverbs in all the book. It says this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Solomon is giving us advice that really he didn't take if you go read the Bible and read about the story of Solomon and the story of his life. Guard your heart above all else. Guard your emotions. Guard your feelings above all else because it determines the course of your life. Here's what happens, and this is such a great, great warning. When we follow our emotions, right, when we follow our heart, when we follow our feelings, it drifts us into a place we shouldn't be. Right? It drifts us into a place because feelings are always going to be part of the journey, but they can't lead your way in the journey. They are great companions, but they're horrible, horrible leaders, right? And what happens, there's this first guard your heart above everything else because if you don't, you're going to drift. And here's what that drift sounds like. When something bad happens, well, maybe this whole thing isn't for me because it doesn't feel right. Maybe, maybe Jesus is changing, and maybe the Word of God is a little bit different because that sounds true, and that feels true, and it is my truth, and that is the truth that I feel is real. And can I tell you, we know this, we know this. What happens is we start drifting instead of clinging, right? We start drifting instead of abiding in what we know, right? And, and, and you know this, and I know this. Your truth is no truth at all, right? What I determine is true may not be true to you. We know what is true, and it says this in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, not a truth, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying, if you want to know what is truth and what will keep you grounded and not let you drift, it is found in me. I am the way, the truth, the life. The word of God is truth, not a truth, it is the truth. It's not a way, it is the way. Jesus isn't an option, he is the option, right? He is the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible is truth. And Jesus invites us to this in John 15, verse 4 through 5. He says, remain in me. Many of you growing up, you heard abide in me, right? Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And those who remain in me and I in them will produce fruit much fruit for, and hear this, for apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Here's the promise. If we will abide. Here's the amazing invitation that Jesus offers us. If we will remain, if we will abide, if we will graft ourselves, if we will tether ourselves to him, even when things get hard. Even when you go through things that you feel aren't fair. Even when you go through things that make you feel sad and make you feel heartbroken, Jesus says this, and this is his promise, if you will keep yourself grafted and abiding and remaining in me instead of drifting from me, in the middle of your hurt, in the middle of your pain, you can still be fruitful. Right? And that is a way better way for you and I to live our life rather than drifting away from him And we're producing nothing in and through our pain. Because if I'm going to go through something, I at least want it to benefit somebody. I want to come out different. I want to come out more like Jesus, not less like him. I want to be closer to him, not further away. And some of us here and some of us watching online, the simple truth is you went through something. You're going through something that you were not expecting. You got blindsided like Seth. And instead of abiding, instead of remaining, you drifted. Because that's what we do. We follow our heart when we're not guarding it. And instead of remaining in him, we start drifting from him. We don't anchor ourselves to him. And Jesus offers to be this for us. He offers to be an anchor for our life. Right, if you've ever been on a boat, I'm not nautical by any chance, and any screaming, or thought of the imagination. Um, if you've ever been on a boat, though, you understand what an anchor is for. An anchor sinks into the depths of the lake. I, w- I would love to say ocean or sea, but we don't have any of those here. Um, goes down into Lake Keystone that's muddy and dirty, and you can't see anything, right? And you're like, I don't know if we've hit bottom. I don't know if it's working. And what does it do? It stabilizes you, right? It keeps you stable. And and so you aren't drifting away by every current, every wake that comes your way. I remember when I was staying on a houseboat with my youth pastor um, and some buddies, and we went out on his father-in-law's houseboat growing up, and there was a storm coming into Lake Murray in South Oklahoma. He's like, hey, we got to take this houseboat into a cove, and we dropped anchors all over the place, and we tied stuff around trees because we knew a storm was coming in, and the only thing that was going to keep us from drifting into trouble was those anchors and those tying on of trees so that we weren't going anywhere. And man, we We didn't see the anchors working. We didn't see any uh, evidence that the anchors were even there. But can I tell you, that's when the anchor's doing its work the most. It's when you don't see it. And some of you, you are here, you are watching online, and you say, but I don't see Jesus working in my life. I don't see the Holy Spirit comforting me in my life. Can I tell you, that's when the anchor works the best. When you don't see it, it's doing its job. Man, it may be raging. It may be rocking your whole world, and you don't feel stable, and you feel like you are getting carried away, can I tell you, if you will remain and you will abide and you will tether yourself and you will ground yourself into him, Jesus' promise is this, is that you, if you will remain in him, he will remain in you and he will keep you grounded, he will not let you drift, and he will make you fruitful even in your most hurtful situations and seasons. It's his truth. And it's not just for me. It's not just for some of us, it's for all of us. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5 says this. 
we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know they can help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Can I tell you, if you will remain and you will abide and you will tether and you will graft yourself into him, you will never be disappointed. You will never be disappointed with the management of his control over your life. But you know what I've always regretted? And you know what I always am upset about? When I don't graft myself, when I don't abide, when I don't remain, and I allow myself to drift because of my emotions and because I feel a certain way. Guard your heart. Guard it. Guard your feelings. Guard your emotions above all else. Because if you don't, it will determine the course of your life and you will drift from remaining in him and abiding in him and as a result, your life won't bear the fruit and it won't be fruitful like he's intended it to be. So here's what I want to leave you with today. And I want you to know today, and this is one of my favorite passages and it's going to feel like we're very ADD right now in my message, but I'm an ADD person, so welcome to the show, right? Um, Is that you can be fruitful in your Egypt. You can be fruitful in the very place you don't want to be. The very place that you're like, I didn't ask for this, Justin. You can still be fruitful there. In the most painful moment of your life, you can still be fruitful in that place. How many of you remember the story of Joseph, right, in Genesis? We're going to go way back to the Bible. Um, Joseph, the, the young man, so some, none of us have went to Sunday school, children's church, awesome, so I'm going to give you the Bible according to Justin for a little bit, so we'll do a little JG version. Um, it's not going to be historically accurate, but it's going to be pretty close, and there's going to be some adjectives in my version that's not in the Bible. So here's what happened. If you don't know the story of Joseph, this is the story of Joseph in about two minutes. Joseph was one of many brothers. Um, he was his dad's favorites. Dads, don't say you don't have favorites. You do. Um, I'm, some of you are going, who's your favorite? I don't have a favorite. I'm the exception. Um, so, um, and uh, Joseph was the favorite child of his dad. And all the brothers knew it. His dad made him this, you know, robe of many colors. You guys remember that, right? And so Joseph comes out and flaunts it. He's like, look at my new robe, which I don't get that. So maybe it was like a new suit. Like, look at my new suit. This is it. And all his brothers get jealous, and Joseph didn't leave it at that, right? So you got to learn to use a filter. Sometimes I'm, I'm a big believer in this, especially when it comes to social media. Hey, college football's happened, right? Social media, just because you should say it doesn't mean you need to say it, right? Less is more. Amen, amen, less is more. Amen, amen, less is more on social media. Come on. Um, that may be the best point of the day. So, um, so you, you, Joseph gets up, he's got his, his robe of many colors, and he t- talks about a dream he's had. Hey, hey guys, come around, come here, let me tell you about a dream. I had a dream, and you guys were all serving me. What? And these are all his older brothers. What? Oh, and my dad was calling me daddy too, right? Like, I, like he bowed down to me too. And dad's like, what, what, whoa, I was okay when your brothers were bound by him, bound down, right? Like, and so... Um, this, this is what's going on. His brothers get mad. His dad sends his brothers out. Brothers are working. Joseph's back home watching Thundercats. Um, and like, 
Like, his dad's like, hey, you need to go check on your brothers, make sure they're working. He goes out, and his brothers see him coming, and they're like, let's kill him, right? And one of them like, no, nah, we shouldn't kill him, um, but let's throw him in this pit, and we'll figure out what to do. So they throw him in this pit. They don't kill him, and they sell him to these Ishmaelite traders coming by, right? And the, the, they don't like the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites don't like them, but they like Joseph less. So they're like, hey, we're going to sell him to him. They sell him to these people. They tell his dad that he's been murdered, and they, like, tear his robe up, which I'm sure there was a lot of fun in that, like, yes, finally, that little jerk. And they pour, like, goat's blood on it, and they take it back to their dad. And they're like, dad, we're sorry. We did everything we could, but, like, he's dead. Dad's heartbroken. Oh, my, my Joseph, my Joseph, right? Joseph, meanwhile, is shipped off to Egypt. Joseph is in Egypt. He gets bought by this guy named Potiphar, and he starts doing so well because it says this in the middle of every part of Joseph's, of Joseph's life, but the Lord was with Joseph, right? And so Joseph's at a place he doesn't want to know what, doesn't want to be. He doesn't know the culture. He doesn't know the language, but he starts excelling because the Lord was with Joseph. And so he's put in charge of all of Potiphar's household, right? Well, Potiphar's wife gets a look at Joe, and Joe's a hottie, and so she's a cougar, and she's like, hey, Joe, and Joe's like, no, ho, right, and so they're like going back, and he's like, hey, he takes off running, she accuses him of, of like trying to have his way with her, this is the PG-13 version of it, and so Potiphar gets mad, he believes his wife, he's like, throw that guy in jail, Joseph goes to jail even though he didn't do anything wrong. And it says this, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. So Joseph's in prison, um, and he's like starts excelling, and he's put in charge of the whole prison. I don't know what you call that, but that's what happens. And he starts interpreting dreams for the baker and the cupbearer of the king, right? And he's like, hey, don't forget about me, right? What do they do? They go before Pharaoh. They forget about Joseph. And it's years later, but it said in that time the Lord was with Joseph. Pharaoh calls up Joseph to interpret a dream, and it says the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph, Joseph interprets the dream correctly. Man, this is a lot of Bible in a short amount of time. Pharaoh's like, hey, you're going to be the VP of my whole country. Joe's like, okay, cool, awesome. And you got to remember, this is still Egypt. This still wasn't where he wanted to be, even though he was the vice president of Egypt. He wanted to be home. His dad still thought he was dead. He has this reuniting moment with his dad, with his brothers. You need to go read Genesis. It's an awesome story. But in the middle of Genesis, in the middle of it, there's this part of Genesis chapter 41, verse 52, that is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. Because Joseph's at a place he doesn't want to be. He misses home. He misses his family. He misses his dad. He's like, I didn't ask for any of this. I don't like this. I don't like where I'm at. And yet I can either pout or I can do something about it. I can either try to do it all my own and I can forfeit my significance or I can be fruitful in my Egypt. And it says this, the second son he named Ephraim and said, it's because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Can I tell you, some of you, you may not like where you are. Maybe it doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like. But if you can realize, but the Lord is still with me in my Egypt, even though it doesn't look like the dream, even though it doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like at this stage, I can still be fruitful in the land of my suffering. In my Egypt, I 
I'm going to still be fruitful. I am still going to be faithful. I'm still going to abide, and I'm going to see God do the miraculous because God is still with me. David said it when he just got done acting like a crazy man in front of his, in front of his enemies. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Man, Job said it when he lost his family. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. John had a moment when he was exiled to the island of Patmos, and that is the moment that he had a revelation, and he wrote the book, The Revelation, that you find in the Bible. He could have pouted, but instead he decided to stay fruitful. Paul was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was tried to be murdered. He was lied about. He was gossiped about. Man, he was taught rumors, all these things, that he was this cult leader, and yet in the midst of it, he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We are pressed on every side by, by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but I get up again, but we are not destroyed. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day because I'm abiding, right? For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we do not look at all the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but things we cannot see will last forever. Can I tell you, you can still be fruitful in your Egypt. Now you need to clap so I can breathe. You may not like it. It may not look like what it's supposed to look like. That's your Egypt. Are you going to bless the Lord at all times? Is this praise still going to continually be in your mouth? Or are you going to be a conditional worshiper? Because you're just going to drift because you're going to let your emotions lead the way instead of your commitment. Jesus' invitation is to you and to me. When it's good, when it's bad. When you're in Israel and when you're in Egypt. When you're in the place and all your dreams are coming true and when none of your dreams are coming true and you're at the very place you don't want to be, have an Ephraim moment. Decide, hey, this may not be what I like, this may not be what I dream, this may not be what I thought, but I'm going to be fruitful in the land of my suffering because I'm abiding in him. And as a result, he is abiding in me. And if that is happening, I can always be fruitful no matter my situation. Let's pray today. Lord, we love you. And I thank you for today. And God, I come before you today and you see our situations. You see where we are. And some of us, we're not, this isn't what life was supposed to look like. We got blindsided. We got run over. And some of us this morning, we're just trying to catch our breath. Lord, in, in, in this place, in this moment, whether we're here, whether we're at home, watching online, God, I pray that there would be a choice that we make today, and that choice would be that we choose to abide. We choose to remain. We choose to tether ourselves, to graft ourselves in to you, because you are the vine and we are the branches. 
And if we remain in you, we don't drift from it, we don't let pain dictate our commitment, we will bear much fruit. As all the New Testament heroes were talking about, man, faith, your trials will produce endurance, endurance, strength of character, and all these things that you want to use our pain to produce and make us fruitful through. So Lord, don't let us drift. Lord, don't let us pout in our Egypt. Don't let us give up in our Egypt because, Lord, even in that hard place, in that hard moment, the Word of God said about Joseph, but the Lord was with Joseph. And so I pray that we would understand the Lord is still with us. No matter if it looks like what it's supposed to or not, that we would understand you're still with us. You're still for us. And so let us us abide and let us remain and let us graft ourselves into you today so that we may bear much fruit and that the way we live our lives and the way that we conduct ourselves will point other people to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.